So I, I just want to start by asking a question, and here's the question. What do you do when you get an opportunity to talk with a market leader? You take it, right? Of course you do, because you can learn a lot. Um, you, you see what you can learn about a local market, their operation, how they see their success and challenges across time. Today's guest is just such an expert, just such a market leader, and we're really fortunate to get to talk to him. He's been managing managing in our business at the market manager level for a long time. Uh, in fact, he spent 30 years, right at 30 years, as the general manager, market manager, CEO, whatever you want to call that position, he's the big guy, if you know what I mean in radio, of Bigger River Broadcasting. And of course, uh, I, I need to alert you that he's not just that. He's also served a lot of industry roles, including I'm on the CRB, Country Radio Broadcasters Board. Uh, he's, uh, he serves on the NAB radio board today. And get this, uh, <laughs> Nick is is very involved, deeply involved with the Alabama Association of Broadcasters, too. He knows radio. He knows where the rubber actually meets the road. You don't always get that when you go a little high in organizations. When you talk to Nick, he tells you like it is. I think you'll get that right away. This sounds like exactly the kind of person that we need to talk to on our podcast. We like talking to that kind of person, and that's why you're here. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Our goal is to always encourage radio pros at all levels. By the way, the reason we talk about the podcast is just because we know that people come in contact with us in a lot of ways, usually the first time or two, it's through our social media share. So this is a podcast. You can get it on your smartphone. It's easy. It's free. And there are over 100 episodes waiting for you when you subscribe. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that we drop a fresh weekly episode featuring a radio pro right now. In radio, we do it every Sunday. To enjoy our podcast, you only have to be interested in others and be open to encouragement, advice, connections, uh, tools to get ahead, and ways that you can make your career in radio more profitable and more successful. That's right, encouragement, because it's that's a big thing in our business. Each week, we have an opportunity to kind of see a snapshot of an individual in our business right now. It allows us to see radio from a different perspective, a, a different career arc, and hear how they're embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves RPC. Our practice is an actual multiplier. Look, we help radio, local radio, generate higher ratings and higher revenue. It's that simple. It's kind of a new new version of what consulting is when we go to work for a client and they follow our collaborative process because it's us and it's them and our strategy their revenue and their profit margin rises ideas are the new technology where do your ideas come from are your local radio stations programmed and positioned to collect the most money today do you need better sales recruitment strategy we can help you Schedule a meetup by email. It's easy. First consultation is free, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We are just a minute or actually maybe even a little less 
from welcoming today's guest, Nick Martin, the Chief Operating Officer and General Manager of Big River Broadcasting Corporation, a bunch of radio stations. We'll talk about them, too, in the Florence Muscle Shoals, Alabama market. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which he always makes available for us almost immediately after our live interview and we share that, of course, in social media and all that, uh, as well as the podcast itself. We want to definitely thank JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast, too. See what you can get for free anytime from our team. I'm not kidding. We have a lot of resources for you in the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com, including our Encouraging Sales Success Series and our More Than Live and Local Series. I think you'll enjoy both and you'll come away encouraged every time. Now let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. Nick, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you, sir? Uh, Lord, I'm doing good. Uh, how about yourself? Th thanks for the opportunity to be here. Oh, I'm doing good. I've looked forward to this for a while. Uh, uh, let's start. Let's start with Little Nick. Okay, I don't. You've probably never been called that, but you're getting it today. You're getting the full treatment. Where were you born, Nick? I, I was born in Lexington, Tennessee. No kidding, Tennessee boy, pride and true. Tennessee boy, absolutely through through and through. Go, go Vols! All right. <laughs> Listen, can you tell us about your first exposure to radio as a consumer or listener? Not not in the radio business before. Uh well, it it yeah. I mean, I I, I can't. I mean, um, boy, this this really takes me back a long way. Uh -huh. I, I, I guess I'm an old geezer, yeah, by now. But uh, yeah, uh, my uh, my neighbor growing up, yeah, lived about three or four doors down. Uh, obviously, Lexington is a very small town. It's about five thousand people, and he was he was the local voice of. Uh, of the radio station. I mean, he was always there. I mean, I, 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 literally, I thought he worked 24 seven. I mean, every time you turn around, he was on the air. But uh, I, my earliest recollections, I guess, would be of uh, listening to Swap Shop, you know, with my parents sitting around a, a lunch table. And then um, and then listening at five o'clock in the morning uh, during the wintertime to see if, if there was snow, if we were gonna go to school. <laughs> and it was uh, it was just yeah, ironic that my neighbor was this guy. And, I, and you never saw him. I mean, he, he, he slept all the time. I mean, you, ne you never saw him. But uh, he was his voice on the radio, so I guess that's, uh, I guess that would be my earliest recollection. I mean, yeah, is those early programs. And well, look, even going way back to that, you know, I mean, some things are tried and true. We still know a lot of places around the country do a swap shop. Uh, certainly, when it comes to weather and services and being local, local radio is really great at that. I want you to tell us about your first job in the radio business, Nick. <laughs> well. It, actually, my first job was kind of tied to exactly what the, you know, what I just I just talked about and, and uh, elated to in some fashion. Um, I, I guess this can be counted as my first job because I did get paid for it <laughs> on, a, on a small level. But um, I, I grew up as a as, as a young boy in a small town uh, that, as I said, it was it was a small town. I mean, and and actually one of the uh, one of the highlights uh, on the local radio station was they carried play by play with little league baseball. And uh, and that was really the only time I ever saw this uh, my neighbor out in public. I mean, he, he was doing play by play at night, and yeah. uh, he was doing it on top of the concession stand with a Marty system, and back to the radio station. And yeah. uh, I, I grew up as a I grew up yeah 
had I was a catcher at the time, had a really good arm. And uh and I uh you know I felt like you know man I wanted to pitch one night. And uh, and all this will we'll get to where get about the job part. But uh-huh. uh, but all so I, I wore my manager out to finally one night. He said, all right, Dad Gummit. He said, you've worn me down. He said, I'm going to let you pitch tonight. And uh, we were warming, warming up behind the dugout. And uh, about the first pitch, you know, about the first warm-up pitch I threw sailed over the guy. I was going to catch his head that night and right through my neighbor's windshield. <laughs> and uh, so I, I had to, uh, I had to, you know, go tell my parents that, okay, I, I busted our neighbor's windshield. And, um, uh, and they said, well, you know, crawl your butt up on top of the concession stand and, and tell, you know, and tell him what has happened. And of course, I didn't know the difference between on air, off air, whatever. <laughs> I just knew I'd busted the guy's windshield. And so I, I climbed up that ladder on top of the concession stand. He was on air and I interrupted him to let him know that I'd busted his windshield. <laughs> and um, I immediately learned the power of radio. Interesting. Immediately. Because yeah. everybody, everybody in that town knew that I busted this guy's windshield. And, um, and so one thing, one thing led to another and he started asking me to, to sit in with him and do stats. And, and, uh, so I, I did, cause I, I, mean, I love sports and I still love sports. And, um, and next thing you know, the radio station calls and said, Hey, uh, you know, this guy would like to take some time off. You want to do the game? You want to do play by play? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I meant, sure. Cause he, he would let me do some stuff and, and do some color and, and occasionally let me do an inning and, they're like, we think you'd be really good at it. I mean, if you want to, if you want to do that, we'll give him the time off, and so we'll pay you to do it. And I'm like, really? I'm gonna get paid for it too? <laughs> I don't even remember how much it was. Probably ten bucks at the time. I don't it doesn't even matter, does it? it? Doesn't matter. That that's literally how I got my start in, in this business. It's and, so uh, interesting that Nick Martin's entry into the radio business comes through. Let's see, baseball. Uh maybe an errant ball. And uh, busted glass, and yeah. then the first public outing on the air without knowing about it. And then, of course, there's the clever radio guy who sucks you into the radio business. I love that story. Yeah. All right. So, look, we talk a lot about career path with our guest. It's it's something that really allows us to um, to get them to tell their story of work from their vantage point, which is very instructive for us. Can you tell us how you became the Nick Martin that people know today in our business? Well, uh, I, I guess it, it seriously goes back to, uh, to where I just described as starting. Uh, right. I really went to, uh, you know, I was the first person in our family that, uh, you know, thank the good Lord, my, my parents, you know, gave me an opportunity to go to college. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had two loves, really. I mean, uh, and, and throughout this, throughout the course of uh, of my uh, uh, elementary school and high school, you know, days, I mean, I loved music. I mean, I, I played in the band, was first chair trumpet, and, uh, and and the radio station kept uh, it kept engaging me. I mean, you know, when school programs, you know, they, they aired all the school programs and everything. Uh, they would record that, and they kept uh, they kept engaging me through the whole process. And I would, you know, I'd record them for the schools, and then go to the radio station and put them on air. And uh, and so, you know, that kind of from a career standpoint, I, I really went to school to be a band director. And so I started really with, I, I went to school you know, with a music major because I, I love it. I was, I was a good trumpet player. And um, I went to school to be a band director. 
And then, uh, of course, you had to have a major and a minor. So I minored communications because, you know, the broadcast side of it, was, that's the other thing I love. I, I wasn't good enough to play you know, to play college sports. So uh, uh, so I, I didn't get a scholarship. You certainly don't see me in the big leagues. But, uh, mm. but it's, but, it's, yeah, it's interesting that, that I know that you know Rusty Walker or knew Rusty. Yeah. And Rusty Walker was that want to be a band leader guy, too. That's very interesting that you all have that tie. Yeah, Rusty, Listen. Rusty, Rusty was a good friend. I mean, over, over the years, I mean, I, and we, I mean, I'm, obviously, we can talk about that in a little while. But um, oh, I'm, I, I, you know, look, I'm very familiar about that river up there, and and Rusty and the jet skis and all that. I'm sure you're part of that. Um, so, I never went on the jet skis with him. No, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> well, I uh, see. All right. Well, listen. You know, when we talk to guests, sometimes we like to talk about education. You mentioned college. Uh, where did you go to college first? Yeah, I, I went to the University of Tennessee at Martin. Uh, of course you did. Where I graduated. And, all right. Um, Are you going to give us a go Rocky Top or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, all, all my friends went to Rocky Top. And, yeah, I mean, and it was just a little too far away from home. My parents didn't want me to go up there. And, and financially, I don't think it was, was really going to be feasible. So so I, right. I had I had the opportunity to go to Martin and, and, and took it and ran with it. But, but well, yeah, well, let's talk to... about let's let's talk about this with college. There's always what people think they're going to get. And what they actually get, what did you get out of college? What did that do for you? It it, it gave me everything to be where I am today, quite honestly. And that's really? I, know, I know some of your questions that make you know that, that are going to come up down the road. And, and and we'll we'll tie directly into this. But mm -hmm. um, but you know when I when I got up there, I mean, uh, you know I I quickly I, I quickly figured out that. I, I should switch those uh, switch those two loves and and make broadcasting a major and and uh, and music a minor because okay. I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher but you know the more I get, the more I went through it I'm like you know I I don't know that I really really want to do that but I st I still want to be involved in music and uh, and and do everything I can with that and play you know marching band symphony band jazz band loved every minute of it yeah and uh, so I didn't want to give that up. So I, I flipped them and became a broadcast major and uh, and a music minor uh, my second year up there. And well, listen, I know that you're the kind of guy that you're really involved. Even today, you're really involved. Sales is such a critical and important set of skills in our business today. Where did you learn sales and then specifically radio sales? At the University of Tennessee at Martin. Are you kidding? My, my professor and, and one of my mentors. Uh, and this is the guy that really encouraged me to to take make this leap and make this change. Uh, I was a professor by the name of Dr. Gary Stein, mm -hmm. and and Gary was he was a uh, he was a broadcast pro that got into teaching. I mean, he uh, he was a sales manager for uh, for radio stations in Lansing, Michigan, before he became a a, a broadcast professor. And that's where I learned. The art. I mean, that's that's all he talked about was radio sales. That's that's where the money was. That's where, in his in his uh, definition, that's where it all was. That's where it all begins. And so, Gary, did did that have an impression on you? You said he was like a first early mentor. Oh, did that make an impression on you? You went, oh wait a minute, here's where the money is. Yeah, well, here here's where the opportunities are, and and I knew that right. you know I knew that I wanted to be able to to build a career. Uh, you know, I didn't know where it was going to take me by any. But I certainly wanted to give myself an opportunity to uh, uh, to have a, a good career path, and uh, and the more I the more I talked to Gary uh, over over the course of my uh, college days, 
And the more I worked with him uh, and it was involved with the campus radio station there and, uh, and did sales for them. Uh, I, I mean, that's, that, it was just a natural, it's a natural progression. And that's, that's really where this all began. I mean, in terms of, uh, in terms of the radio sales side of it. You feel like today that, um, how do I put this, that recruiting sellers today is much more difficult than earlier in your career? Oh, no doubt. What do you think that is? Uh, I think um, I think it's more difficult now because there's certainly so many more competitive avenues out there that that are available to potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see everything digital now, and and obviously, you know, we're all involved in this in some shape, form, or fashion, like it or not. Right. But, uh, but the reality is, but that there's that there's um. Uh, you know the financial side of it. I mean, I, I know people who have who have gotten into this this business, done extremely well, and uh, and are continue to do extremely well. I know people who've right. gotten into this business that I've recruited that have gone on and and uh, and become consultants and, and marketing experts in, in in their fields and are still working with radio. Then I know people who've gotten into this business and yeah you know, and gone into sales and simply got out of it. Because well, it let's talk about this. Let's talk about. Uh, do you do any recruiting for sellers in what we might call untraditional environments today or industries outside of radio? And, and and look, Nick, if you do, how successful is that for you to be looking outside of radio? Well, I, I think first and foremost, uh, it's essential that we do that. It is. I mean, yes, I, I, I absolutely I absolutely do that. And in one of the best places that, uh, that I found that uh, – that we've had some success with is yeah. restaurant restaurant servers. Mm. You know, th- that's interesting. Uh, friends of mine and I, we talk about this sometimes, sometimes we'll get on the subject of restaurant work and, you know, it's tough. It's a lot of priorities. It's a lot of service. And those who do it well are really incredible. And, and sometimes you can find a standout star that way, right? Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I've had this server at, uh, at, um, Outback Steakhouse in Florence, yeah, last year, and she was a college student, and I tried like the Dickens to hire this person, and uh, and I just I, I couldn't I couldn't get her away. We interviewed a couple of times. She really she really thought long and hard about it, but man, she would have been good. She was a great mm. communicator, and, and that that's the thing that I look for when I when I talk to people, whether it's in a restaurant or whenever I'm constantly looking for salespeople. So I mean, oh, wait a minute, wait, you just said something important. You're 24-7-365 recruiter. Oh, I've, I've talked. It, hey, anytime I find somebody that might be a fit, don't think I'm not I'm not going to talk to them about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. I think I think the more we can talk about that in a public way where other market managers, other sales managers hear that, you know, I mean, I think it's essential to do that because how do you know? Otherwise, you're only recruiting when you have a need, and that puts you in a more desperate situation, doesn't it? Well, it, it does, and I and I think every every market manager, every radio manager would be the first to tell you you can't have enough salespeople. So, That's right. So why so why would you stop recruiting? <laughs> so let's talk about changes uh, because look, you, you've clearly seen a lot of changes uh, in, it, just in the thirty years that you've been at Big River. Uh, a lot of things have become more challenging. That's easy to focus on. What has gotten easier? Has anything gotten easier in your opinion? 
there are a lot of things that have gotten easier. Uh, some things have gotten too easy, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's too easy to uh, to this remote work, you know, hybrid situation. It's too easy to uh, to lose productivity. Uh, from an air standpoint, it's too easy to voice track and and lose that personal connection. Um, but at the same token, it's much easier I mean, to uh, to provide a product. I mean, in in difficult times, I mean, and in difficult situations, where uh, you know, if you've got a person that that gets sick while she uh, while they're on the air or whatever, then okay, you if you don't have a fill in, you could actually you know, voice track it for a couple hours, so you could get somebody in. So that has made it a lot easier. I mean, it's you know, easier. I, I, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Oh, it's, it's easier to communicate you know, internally with your team as well with technology. I mean, with the, with texting and, and, and email. I mean, you know, all this stuff didn't really uh, it didn't really take shape until just you know twenty years ago or so. <laughs> That's I right, guess. and and it continues. We've got Zoom and all that, but I want to go back for a minute because you said something that I think is interesting. You said sometimes things have gotten too easy. And look, there's a thing, you know, when voice tracking came along, and I'm not I'm not here to crap on voice tracking or any of that, because I think technology and tools are great. When they become challenging is when you can technically do something versus really do it. And well, I think that's what you're saying, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. And I, I'll, I'll give a blatant example of it. Um, on occasion, I have gone into the control room, and, and I, I, I don't sit and listen to the stations twenty four seven. I mean, uh, you know, that drive me crazy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but on occasion, I've, I've listened, and I can tell that the shift is being voice tracked with a person sitting in the control room. And, and you know, I've walked in, and and literally, I mean, they're sitting there on their phone, they're sitting there, yeah, you know, on an iPad or something, and and they voice track, voice track their shift. And uh, and needless to say, the conversation wasn't pleasant because <laughs> you know, we're paying you to be live and local, and yet you know you want to take the easy route. I mean, there's a time and a place for it. I'm not I'm not here to to be pro or con on voice tracking. That's that's not the conversation. But uh, but don't allow it. Yeah, don't allow it to take over what yeah what your opportunity is. So you're pro or con on do a good job, whether you're voice tracking or you're live for sure, right? I, yes. All right. So, so listen, you've already talked a little bit about your first mentor uh, in our business. Um, you know, what about another one? Can you share maybe another story of, of another mentor that has changed your life? Yeah. Uh, the late Frank Woods. Frank was the, the president of Sun Group. Uh, for, for those listening that, that may be familiar with those. Yeah. Uh, they had a, a cluster. Of, uh, well, they had a bunch of stations across the Across the South and and Midwest, uh, Texas, Louisiana, uh, uh, here in Tennessee, uh, I don't remember uh, Birmingham uh, was another one of their markets. But Frank is a guy that I met uh, early in my career when I came to Nashville as a as a radio seller back in the back in the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. He took me under his wing, and I don't know what he saw in me, but you know, this was a guy that was connected to the industry. And Frank went on and did a lot of great things, you know, within this. Uh, within this you know, broadcast world. I mean, he, he helped start, uh, if you go look him up, I mean, he helped start, I think, his home shopping network. And he, he did a lot of great things. He, he was a great man. And, and he would take me, uh, he would take me on market trips. I mean, uh, uh, the, the first airplane I flew, the first commercial airliner I flew in, quite honestly, was with Frank. He, uh, he called me one day. He said, hey, I'm making a market trip this weekend. He said, you want to go with me? He said, I'd love for them to hear your opinions. Um, 
on uh, on what you think. And I'm like, are you serious? I mean, you want me to go with you? I mean, to to a much larger market. And uh, it's and great to get that kind of recognition from somebody too, right? Oh, it was. It was. It was great, and it was. It was a great networking opportunity, a great learning opportunity for me because yeah, here I got the chance to engage with you know with guys who were doing a hell of a lot more than I was, and. Uh, yeah, it, it was Frank's one of those that uh, he, he took me under his wing, and I, I can't thank him enough. I'm not staying in contact with him yeah, until uh, his latter years when, when his health declined, and uh, he passed away, not, uh, I believe it was last year. But yeah, he, yes. Frank was pretty instrumental in my career. He taught me he, yeah, he taught me how to put deals together and, and what to do and what not to do. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, Gary and Frank were, yeah, were the two guys that really helped steer my career. I think it's really hard for people in the moment to realize how important mentors are or people who are willing to recognize you and share things. Like you said, he taught me how to put deals together. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's nice, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I remember being to the NAB radio show one time in Dallas and uh, they had all their managers there. And we were not part of this group. I was just, I was just a friend of Frank's. And right. uh, they hosted a group dinner and, and Frank invited me and, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm, here with, I'm here with all of his market managers. And I, and I look back on that. It's like, and we sat there and talked for hours and, uh, you know, again, I wasn't a part of their company, but man, they right. opened everything. It, what, what a learning experience, what a valuable opportunity that was. Yeah. You know, I mean, during my career, I, mean, I, I can't thank Frank enough. That's incredible. Listen, I want you to tell us about your stations in Florence, Alabama. Uh, well, these stations are celebrating uh, their 50th anniversary this year. These are these are the uh, the legacy to to the great Sam Phillips. Sam was uh, Sam was born and raised in Florence. Uh, he he moved to Memphis and created all of his his fame with uh, with Sun Records and Elvis and Cash and all that story. But the reality huge. is, but that was huge. I mean, but Sam was born and raised in Florence, Alabama, and uh, after he after he sold. Um, Sold son. I mean, he took he took some of that money and invested it in what really was his his first love because he knew obviously the impact that radio had on on everything because that's how that's how he created his, his success with Elvis and you know and they're in Memphis with the with the local radio stations and yeah and he'd get in, he'd get in his car and drive to these local radio stations and look for a tower and go in and yeah and convince the uh to get convince whoever was on air to play Elvis' record or Cash or Charlie Rich whoever it was but. Uh, but he, he started investing in radio stations because he knew the, the power of it. And uh, he bought these in 1972. Uh, he bought the first one in 1972. We've since added to that. And uh, and today, um, you know, we, we have three stations there in Florence. We have uh, we have an additional station in Clifton, Tennessee. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's that's part of part of the group as well. But uh, we have uh, we have the two market leaders. We have a, a dominant classic hits country st- or classic hits station WQLT Q107. That, which is this year is its 50th anniversary. We have we have a, a wonderful country radio station that's been highly recognized in this industry. I mean, I, I can't thank you know, thank the world enough for, for what they see in in, in our efforts with uh, with Kicks. But uh, you know, recently, you know, our operations manager was just um, recognized with the, our Marconi nomination for Small Market Personality of the Year of that station. Uh, the station won the Marconi last year for Small Market Station of the Year. And, uh, and we've been blessed with a number of ACM and C- CMA nominations for that. And uh, that that station has been a lot of fun to work with. We've we've, had a, we've done a lot of cool things for that for that property. We have a we have a sports station. It's a it's an AM station with an FM translator that translator that um, 
that it's been fascinating to see how uh, you talk about change. It, it's fascinating to see how the consumption models have changed over the years and, and how people listen online, especially with that station in a limited coverage area with the translator and, and the AM signal. But but yet absolutely back you know with online. So uh, that that's that's basically the group there. I mean, but we've been there. Uh, the company's been there for fifty years, and I, I joined them in 1993. All right. So, so look, this is a great time to introduce this. And this is like a trap right here. So get ready. Do you remember the first moment that you met Sam? Because I met Sam and oh my God. Um, but what was that like to work for him actually? And then now the rest of the family too, They're, they have this passion for broadcast. They do. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I met him, he, uh, he came to the station and, uh, and said, man, I've heard great things about you. Uh, and actually, yeah, actually, Frank Woods is how I got to is how I got to Sam. Interesting. Because, yeah, because uh, he was talking to Sam and Sam said, you know, we're looking for somebody in Florence. And Frank had been trying to hire me to go to one of his markets at that time, because the group that I was with you know, in Tupelo that were two close friends of his, two board members of his, had gone mm -hmm. out on some investments. And that, that's who I was involved with at the time. But um, but Frank had been trying to hire me to go to one of his other markets out in Texas. And I, I really didn't want to move to Texas, to be honest with you. I mean, but nothing wrong with it. I just didn't want to move to Texas at the time. Right. And, um, and he said, well, he said, you know, I've been talking to Sam. He said, they've got these stations in Florence, Alabama. And I said, well, I'm familiar with them. And I, I said, you know, because I've driven back and forth from Tupelo to Nashville for six years. And I said, I'll listen to the station. I know exactly who you're talking about and what you're talking about. And I, I knew who Sam was, but I didn't, I really didn't know Sam. Sure. <laughs> I really didn't, didn't have the essence of, of Sam. <laughs> and, uh, he said, why don't you go down and talk to him? And so he set it up, and I did. And uh, Sam came in and said, man, I've heard great things about you. And he said, uh, "He said, my only problem is I don't think we make you happy and keep you here. And I said, well, hmm. I said, that's not necessarily the case. But I mean, uh, and, and I didn't think of Sam as being intimidating or anything else, even though he was one of the most influential people in the world. And he was just Sam. And uh, so we sat and talked for a while. And uh, and and then uh, Bill Thomas was there at the time. And yeah. And, uh, you know, and Sam's like, well, you know, we've got deals going in Memphis and everything. And he's, here's the situation. He said, you know, Bill's going to go run these stations in Memphis. You know, we're bringing you in to run these. Uh, you know, it, but Bill's going to be here by another 90 days or so. And uh, so, you know, we, we want all this to work. And he said, we'd love to have you. And that, that's kind of the way I, I joined their organization. And, nice. you know, and over the over the years, I mean, you know, Sam would tell my wife, she's like, he's like, man, I'm so afraid I'm going to lose Nick. He said, I, he said, you know, we, I think of him like a son. And, uh, yeah, we had a very close relationship. And well, and now, you know, there's Jerry, who is also great. And oh. and and I may get this wrong, but I don't think so. Jerry's daughter, is that right? Yeah. All yeah, involved and and are they similar to Sam? Or are they different? How does it work? Uh, uh some of the, some of all of the above. <laughs> okay. Uh Jerry is uh, Jerry's certainly different from Sam. But uh, but he wants to carry on that that legacy. But uh, but Jerry also wants us to have the same independence and autonomy uh, and pioneering spirit that Sam uh, that Sam tried to uh, instill in all of us. Uh, Hallie joined us when she was 16 years old, and uh, it's been there for about 20 years now. And I'm sorry if I just disclosed her age, but <laughs> but uh, she's a <laughs> she's a wonderful young lady, uh, very 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 smart. I mean she she heads up all of our digital stuff and. Uh, and with with the passing of Jerry's brother Knox, you know, over the last couple of years during COVID, uh, she's taken mm -hmm. on a much more uh, a, a much more expanded role in their in their whole corporate you know, structure, 
with the with the music companies, the publishing companies, and the studios in Memphis. And so we we have a great working relationship in between all of us. And uh, and and yeah, she she's very involved in, in what we do. It's very interesting to see family dynamics change. And, you know, you mentioned her and talking about her and the digital and all that. So it is just that continuum, if you know what I mean. Listen, we have a lot of market managers who listen to our podcast. And for them, I'd like to know specifically your thinking about your involvement with the Alabama Association of Broadcasters, the Country Radio Seminar, and your involvement now with the NAB radio board, why do you get so involved at, uh, uh, you know, at that level? And, and how do you see these organizations in relationship to local radio? Well, that's, that's really why I'm involved with, them, to be honest with you. And it's not something mm-hmm. I'm about. Uh, I, I've never sought any of these, uh, any of these positions. I'm at, uh, back in 2005, I was called and asked if I wanted to join the board uh, of the ABA and, uh, mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, sure, I'm, that'd be great. I really didn't know what I was getting into. And, I, and I've been there ever since, for the most part. And uh, it had, to, had the privilege of serving as chairman of the board uh, for, for a couple of years I mean, it's, as I worked through the executive committee. And, and now I, I, hold the, I hold the seat of uh, past chairman's, uh, the past chairman's seat you know, on the board of directors with them. Um, Boy, you talk about getting involved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen most of it, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and likewise with the, with the country radio seminar, I mean, they, I got a call one afternoon. Said, "Hey, said we're obviously very familiar with your radio stations. I mean, you know, how would you like to be serve on the agenda committee and help steer, you know, help steer where country radio is headed?" I'm like, man, what a great opportunity! And uh, so I accepted that invitation, and then uh, I served on the agenda committee there for a couple of years. And as I sat there, and, and and they really wanted things because one of the things I think that gets overlooked in the industry is the is the power of small market radio. And uh, and I think they uh, they wanted me to come in and be a voice for small market radio in these meetings. And very uh, important. I didn't disappoint. I, I sure as heck didn't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> well, like I said in the beginning, if you talk to Nick Martin, you're going to get the truth. He's going to tell you, right? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I recall one specific incident. This is kind of what led to me. I think me getting on the, uh, put on the board of directors. Um, I, there was there was a particular yeah, session that we were talking about, or a particular situation in one of the agenda meetings. And I was sitting directly across the table from a very big record rep. I mean, I, I'm not going to call names or the label or anything else. But, and I'll, I'll keep my language clean because this, this one got kind of kind of nasty. And it wasn't it, it just the way he phrased it. But, uh, you know, he, he said, I got this call from, you know, a small market station in Idaho or Iowa or somewhere. And, right. and he, he was very, uh, he, he was very blunt with his language. He said, you know, they wanted me to send them 10 CDs. I'm not, I don't even know who the artist was. And he's like, you know, and he basically was just berating the fact that he that he got a call from a small market radio station that he felt like had zero ability to impact that artist. And boy, it just lit me up. <laughs> I mean, it lit me up to no end. And I mean, I, I I jumped right back in his stuff and and really made a very prolific statement regarding small market radio and, and the impact it could have. And uh, and I mean, it, it quieted the room. And, uh, you know, today it's interesting. Small market radio is having so much impact. And when it comes to revenue, I mean, man, there's just so much that's oh, available to them in a different way than transactional business. Oh, it is. And, and after after I uh, after I 
got, I, we didn't get into it. I mean, it, it was, uh, it, it was what it was. I mean, it was just a disagreement. Uh, right. a lot. But, uh, but I went home that night and I came back to the next meeting and I went through the CMA directory. And I mean, every dadgum page of the CMA directory that listed, you know, country radio stations. And I, and I put all this together in about 24 hours and I came back and, and said, okay. And I broke down small market, major market, medium market, large market, and everything. And I think at the time there were about 2,200 country radio stations, if I remember it right. right. And uh, 1,800 of those were small market. And, and I, I told the head of the agenda committee, I said, I want to make this presentation to the rest of you guys so you understand the importance of who your attendees are and why we should not overlook the fact that, you know, that this is of major importance to this organization for country radio. And, and look, the CRB is incredible. It's an incredible opportunity for small market radio and for all radio, but small market radio, especially to be engaged and to learn things. So I'm, I'm grateful that you have made career decisions to, to give back in those ways. I want to ask you another question about your radio stations and i'm just going to say digital and social how involved are you what's your feeling about this what's going on uh we are from a station standpoint we're extremely involved uh -huh. uh, we're just now expanding we've 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 been involved with this for a long time to be honest with you. uh we just haven't really given it the attention that should have uh, that should have had from a revenue development right. standpoint but uh but we're in hook line and sinker now and with everything uh -huh. that we're doing. But uh, well, we've known the power of digital for a long, long, long time. I mean, we, we were streaming audio and video dating back to 2003. And, okay. yeah, and going back to uh, going back to small market radio, you know, made a comment about, you know, about the impact, you know, with um, with record labels and, and the small market has and digital to that time, too. Back in back in 2003 or 2004, we were leading the nation. In single sales, we, we were producing a local program similar to Austin City Limits called Muscle Shoals Music Girl Live. It was cutting edge for a small market. It was not, edge not that business. not that Muscle Shoals has ever had any kind of influence in the music business. Oh, exactly. But yeah, this was cutting edge for radio back then. Right. And, uh, and, and it was cutting, cutting edge for artists and songwriters and everybody else. And we were leading the nation in single sales for when Josh Turner released Long Black Train. Mm -hmm. and so we get a call from the record label and say, yeah, we'd like to bring we'd like to bring Josh down and do your show. I'm like, wow, that's right. great. So, uh, so they brought so they brought him and uh, and did the show and 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 we started learning at that point that we were giving opportunities to artists and writers that the record labels weren't doing. I mean, right. So, uh, so yeah, from a digital standpoint, we've been there very early on, and 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 we're going to continue to be there. It's it's, it's very, very. I love that. I, I listen. How about this as a question? Do you have a personal favorite social media platform for Nick Martin? <laughs> Boy, I'm really going to show my age here. Uh, well, it's like a loaded question, right? Uh, well, no, it's, it's not really loaded because uh, the answer is no. <laughs> I don't. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, I have. Uh, I, I certainly understand the value of it. I, I have right. a I have an Instagram account. I have a Twitter account or X account, whatever they call it now, so I can monitor yeah. what's going on with the radio stations. But uh, but I, I don't actively engage in the social platforms myself. But again, I, from the station standpoint, I'm a, I, yeah, I certainly know know what we do. And you know, my wife's all over Facebook, and she keeps me up, updated on what's <laughs> what's going on there. But 
Uh, so she's your chief social media officer at home, right? Exactly. So she keeps me right. involved in that. But I, mean, I just, I, I really have never just gotten into. And again, it's just me personally. I mean, I do have, I, I do have social media accounts, but uh, I, I don't actively work with them. All right. So look, let's talk about let's talk about challenge for a minute because look, I'd like to know what is the biggest challenge that you see for your stations? And maybe you could slide in an area that you think radio in general could work on improving or do a better job of improving at this point. Oh, it's a great question. And uh, and I and I hopefully I can give you a, a good answer for it. it there's no question. The biggest challenge for us right now is is competing for uh, competing for the revenue uh, that's available in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, no question. How can how can radio be better at uh, at getting that, those dollars? Well, I think you got to do exactly like we're doing right now. I mean, we're we're embracing everything that's out there, the opportunities, and trying to combine those with with the power of radio and and to show the effectiveness of what this industry still still can be. Uh, I think right. Nielsen released a survey over the past two or three years. And one of the sessions I saw at one of the one of the conferences that said the ultimate ratio for effectiveness, you know, for uh, for marketing dollars would be seventy two percent traditional and twenty eight percent, I believe it was, uh, digital, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you obviously can't ignore it, nor should you. But right. uh, but I think that is that is the biggest challenge for us is finding uh, finding those dollars and and and. Uh, and, and and another huge challenge for us right now is is really keeping the industry relevant in the eyes of uh, of younger media buyers. I mean, they didn't grow what up. What about the- telling the story? Do you think we've fallen away from telling our amazing story? I, I do, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly do, and that that's a conversation I had with that agency just last week. And uh, and I appreciate the opportunity to share it. But I mean, it's. It's one of those things where you can't ignore the power of radio. Well, and listen, you, you look, you just brought up younger ad buyers, okay? Or just forget about that. Let's just say younger advertisers too, younger business owners, whatever. Absolutely. You know, if we don't tell our story, and I mean our amazing story, I always talk about trust and trust is brand, right? And you look whether it's, politics or other media people don't trust them but they trust local radio because it's local tribe right oh it absolutely is and trust is a huge part of what we do i mean there's been so much uh, so much information out there i mean with with other competing mediums and everything else but at the end of the day i mean when you look at what we do on a local scale i mean on a local level, I mean, Twitter is not going to give you the fact that a tornado is barreling down, you know, Woodward Avenue in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. It's it's not going to it's not going to tell you when you know when there's a, a severe accident or or alert you to. I mean, it probably can, but it's not. You know, I mean, it's not going to have the impact that radio does. Any way you look at it, I mean, people people look to us for that trusted information day in and day out, and they look for us to be a companion, you know, to them. That's right. whether, whether that's entertainment or information, either one. I mean, they look for us to be part of their lives. That's and right. That's now, Nick, privilege I, us to do that. I get really excited uh, when Joe and I have conversation. That's our producer, 
when we had conversation about the day of the week that we do this, we moved it to Sunday. It was really great because it allows us to, to maybe, if we're fortunate, and in this case we are, attract somebody like you to have this kind of conversation with us. Uh, and we're grateful for that. Uh, listen, I, I want people to understand, you tend to end up on RadioInc.com's best uh, managers list a lot. What is the key? To consistent success in our business, in your opinion? Well, I, I think it's it's really understanding how important this industry really is to the local communities, and continuing to instill that you know, in your staff day in and day out, and right. and and really just staying the course. I mean, you can get it's easy to get sidetracked. I mean, there's all kinds of bells and whistles. I mean, you know, we've talked about from social media to digital platforms to everything else, and it's all always great. something shiny. Yeah, it's it's, it's fantastic, and I mean. I, I had this conversation with the, uh, you know, with our internet or with our streaming provider last week. I, she was going over it's time for contract renewal with them, and, and she was going over how consumption has grown just in right. the past months. And I said, yeah, it's, man, it's fascinating. But at the end of the day, it's still our core product that they're listening to. That's right. And and that's that's to me where the consistency comes in. And uh, you know, I've been accused of being an old codger who. <laughs> Who won't change? Uh, you know, I've, I've seen some. I've seen some things when when they've asked me to make comments here or there in Radio Link, and I and I, I I'm so appreciative of the fact that they think you know I'm deserving to be on that list because I don't I don't think about that at all. I mean, I never I never look for stuff like that, but I, I am very very appreciative and and uh, you know I've received a lot of feedback over the years from people who have read my comments and and thanked mm -hmm. me you know for those for being so. Uh, honest and straightforward I mean, because a lot of people just say what you want to, uh, what you want to hear and that, that's that's, right. that's the one thing i will not i will not do <laughs> yes i've noticed this about you nick <laughs> so so listen uh, uh here's where you have to pay to be in our interview we always kind of joke around with people about this a little bit this is the one that hurts a little bit because you've got to speculate and look we all like to speculate about the future some people do that with fear some people have excitement about the future listen if you, if you, Nick Martin, if you could choose the path, the future path for radio, what do you think you'd like to see the future of radio look like? I would really like for the future of radio, uh, obviously for us to remain relevant in the local communities, because I think that's a key to the success you know, uh, for this industry in the long haul. But if we, if we right. lose that, then if we lose that, then, uh, then it's an entirely different story. I, I'm I'm so excited, you know, quite honestly, from a technical standpoint, to um, to see what's out, what's out there, you know, and see what has changed, you know, for the industry. Uh, you know, I was on my way back from church, you know, before before this, and I'm, I'm test driving a, a car this weekend, and um, and the one I'm currently driving doesn't have HD radio or any of that stuff in it. And one of the stations you know, here in the market or here in here in Nashville, that I'm, I'm in right now. Uh, has this really cool display on this on this dash it's, it's showing out it was showing bob seeger album art and rotating with their logo and right. I, I think i i thought and that's the first time i've really had a chance to look at something like this and i thought wow now this is really engaging you know for for the consumer i mean to be able to do this and i know xperia's got a lot of cool you know toys that they're that they're rolling out for the industry as well uh to display lyrics and things like that but i, I think for the future of radio what I would what I would really like to see is just us to be competitive in every shape, form, or fashion with all these medias because I think at the end of the day, I mean, we're going to win. I mean, because we we have 
we have that local connection that all the rest of these guys don't. That's what everybody wants. That's what every, that's what like, everybody wants. And if we can compete with them on that level, then I, I think the future is extremely bright for this industry. I mean, look at and and I, and I think it's going to be important for us as well. I mean, just like and I, I know there's a, been a lot of conversation about this and a lot of ways to figure this out for the connected car. But I think it's right. extremely important. I'm, I made this comment, you know, in Radio Link uh, for, for a question and answer session they did over the last year or so about streaming versus terrestrial radio. And, and I and I made the comment, it's like, and th- this is the feedback that we received from listeners. I said, how is that going to hurt our business? I, I love the fact that a consumer can get in the car right now. And it, it, and it needs to be seamless. And that's where that's where I'd like to see the future of it be, just absolutely seamless. Well, or, Nick, you, you, you know this, right? Nick, the number one thing that people use Alexa for? Local radio. Absolutely. (laughs) Nick, I want to thank you for spending this time with us, especially on a Sunday. I know how busy you are. I want to thank you for being our guest. Uh, Lord, it was a pleasure, man. We could talk talk for hours about this, but anytime, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Well, we might have you back for one of our revenue events that we do. We do a sales event once a quarter that's really designed to help uh, local sales reps anywhere in the U.S. uh, generate more revenue this quarter. We do it every single quarter. Listen, please don't take for granted what we are doing here and help us by sharing this episode from our website at rainmakerpathway.com in the free blog section. It's easy to find. You can share it there with others that are interested in growing their career in radio and audio. This episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed like the 100 plus others in our archive to encourage radio pros at all levels. We want to thank today's very special guest, Nick Martin. He's the chief operating officer and general manager of Big River Broadcasting in Florence, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, doing some very special things there. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available moments after the live interview is done. I want to say a big thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. And of course, listen, we say this all the time on our podcast, and I say it to clients all the time as well. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want, unquote. If you have any question about this kind of philosophy, please reach out to me. It is my purple, purple passion to tell you about it. I love to prove it to clients every single day. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from this episode, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers. Now go make it a great week and local radio.